Welcome to Walking Florida, a quiet podcast recorded in nature. Today we're walking at Goldhead Branch State Park. It's named in memory of Martin J. Mike Race, spelled R-O-E-S-S, but it's pronounced Race. And he dedicated the land to the park. And the park is named in memory of him. He's a nature lover who contributed liberally to the establishment of Goldhead Branch State Park. Goldhead Park has been around since the 1930s. It was one of the first original Florida State Parks. We're in Northeast Florida, just outside of Keystone Heights. The park was built by the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC, in the 1930s. Um, That was put together under President Franklin Roosevelt to give jobs to people during the depressions to curb unemployment. Today we're walking the ravine trail. There's a paved parking lot that has approximately about eight to ten parking spaces. I'm the only car in the parking lot today, but there may be foot traffic on the trail because Goldhead does have camping, uh, full camping facilities and primitive camping facilities, lots of hiking and biking trails. So today we're on the ravine trail. It starts off, it is paved. I do have on my long sleeves and long pants tucked into my socks. Sprayed a little bit of um, tick and mosquito repellent with DEET around the foot area that helps keep ticks off. From the ravine trail, they've done a boardwalk restoration. The boardwalk's path to the left terminates at the Goldhead Branch Seep where 40 to 70,000 gallons of cold water emerge every hour from an aquifer. This water carved out the ravine system and feeds Lake Johnson near the picnic area. You can also take the path to the right to trek down the ridge trail, which will bring you to the old mill site. Come down, going down two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight steps. And there is information about natural erosion. It's a force which may create or destroy. And in this ravine trail, we can see how running water from numerous springs created and shaped the Goldhead Branch Ravine. This process continues as the stream formed by these springs continually washes soil away. As time progresses, this action gradually deepens and enlarges the ravine. And there's a note to stay on the trail. Uh, Under natural conditions, erosion is generally a slow process. But if you wander off the established trail, 
You can crush the leaves, trample or uproot the plants and expose the soil. Then rains wash the soil into the bottom of the ravine as gullies and landslides occur. Stay on the trail to help protect the ravine and its natural resources. And you can hear the cicadas today in the trees. It's completely shaded down in this ravine. There's, it's a hardwood forest and there will be many steps to climb down. I'm going down another set of steps. And then you turn and go down a few more steps. We're descending into the ravine. More steps. It's a winding step path. And you turn and we're down more steps. We'll turn again, down more steps. I'll take a picture for you from up here. more steps. Now we have about 10 steps and another right turn. Eight, eight more steps. Another right turn. Several more steps. More steps, another turn, more steps. Now we have a choice. We can go to Fern Loop, which is 0.2 miles, or Ridge Trail, two miles round trip, 1.1 miles to Mill Site. Let's do the Fern Loop and then come back to the Ridge Trail. So we're gonna take a lift. Beautiful flowing ravine creek beneath us. So pretty.
and the boardwalk has come to an end at this point. This is where the Goldhead Branch Seep is. And we'll turn and go back now to the Ridge Trail. Ridge Trail sign. This one mill, this one mile trail is not a loop trail. To return to this point, you must come back along the same trail for a total distance of two miles. a few more pictures. We have the flowing stream, the 40 to 70,000 gallons of water that comes out every hour. In a minute we're going to be walking off of the boardwalk and on to just a dirt footpath. There's trees surrounding it. It just looks like a little fairy forest.
an old wooden bench to sit on should you need to rest. There are lots of saw palmettos out here. So they're called saw palmettos because they have saw-like teeth on the leaf stem. There's a sign that says saw palmettos played an important role in the lives of the Indians and the early settlers of Florida. The dark berries and leaf buds were eaten and the roots furnishings tannic acid used in tanning leather. The fragrant blooms furnish a rich source of nectar for honeybees. The saw palmetto grows best in open sunny areas and is well adapted to areas which frequently burn. Next, we come across a southern magnolia, and there's a sign. The southern magnolia is better known. It's an attractive tree of the southern United States. It is used in landscaping, and its wood has been used for inside furnishings. The southern magnolia has large, dark green leaves that are waxy above and velvety brown beneath. Its fragrant flowers are white and six to nine inches in diameter. In the fall and early winter, its red seeds and brown cones may be found scattered beneath its limbs. Mm, one of my favorite movies is Still Magnolias. We're winding uphill now out of the ravine, so it's a little bit of a climb. Not bad though. Next is a sign for the flowering dogwood. I love dogwoods. I have two in my front yard. This one is not doing so well. So I may take a picture of the one in my yard. But the flowering dogwood is one of the most attractive of our native trees. 
its white flowers, red berries, and autumn leaves make it a popular ornamental in North Florida lawns. In colonial times, a brew from the bark was used in the treatment of fever. Next, we come across the American holly tree. I have a sister named Holly. The American holly found throughout North Florida is often collected around Christmas for holiday decorations. It is used for landscape planting and its wood is valued for making furniture. During colonial days, its hard white wood was used for carvings and false teeth. Only female trees will produce the red berries, which are favored by many birds.
you have dogs, you are allowed to bring your dogs on this walk. They just must be on a leash. I just took a picture of a beautiful live oak. Live oaks are one of the oldest and most sturdy of Florida's trees. Although they may grow slower than other trees, it is better able to withstand hurricane winds, fires, droughts, floods, and other, more so than other hardwoods. In the days of sailing ships, the large arching limbs were highly sought after for making ship ribs and knees. Today, these trees furnish shade and beauty for millions of park visitors throughout Florida. Now I'm coming across a large pine, lots of pine straw on the ground.
At this juncture, we have an opportunity to take a left turn to go to the Florida Trail, or we can keep going straight and stay on the Ridge Trail. I'm, a, I, I'm going to go straight and stay on the Ridge Trail. Now we're starting to pass into a little bit more of the sand hills along the ridge trail and the sand, the dirt has become sand. It's the white, white sandy. And here's the information on the longleaf pine. It's the most common pine in the park and the most important southern pine. They were once used for the massive sailing ships and the sap, the resin, was used to seal the cracks in the ship's holes. Today, now the resin is used in the manufacture of paints, soaps, polishes, paper, and many other products. If you are hungry, the inner bark and seeds are edible and the leaves can be boiled for tea. The next plot talks about varied landscape. If you have taken the time to notice the change in plant life as you come from the area in the park to another, if you look about, you can see a great deal of change from the bottom of the ravine to the rim. Different plants have different requirements. Some can grow in dense shade or dry soil or submerged in water. Others cannot withstand the conditions. This leads to a varied landscape in the park.
I'm still walking through trees and shade. I have my hat on, but I haven't had to put my sunglasses on yet. There's just so much shade. Next, we have a plaque about the resurrection fern. It's probably the most abundant aphidiac fern in Florida. An epiphyte is a plant that grows on another plant but is not parasitic. The fern is found throughout the state, usually on the branches of old live oaks growing in shaded hammocks. That's where we are, in a shaded hammock. During periods of drought, the fern shrivels to a dormant, dense brown mass and appears lifeless. After rainfall, the dried ferns resurrect into a lush, deep green fern. We must be getting near the end of the ridge trail. I can start to hear a little bit of the car traffic in the park. The next plaque talks about food chains. This hammock is rich in foods. Most parts of the plants found here are eaten by some form of animal. The animals themselves become food for other animals. In nature, there is hierarchy of feeding. The bobcat eats the snake, that eats the frog, that eats the grasshopper, that eats the leaf. All plants and animals in this hammock are links in the food chain.
take a picture of this cool tree that just is growing in so many curves. Very cool. And we're exiting the shaded part of the trail. Now I'm in open sun. Still lots of trees, but it's the tall, thin, longleaf pines. I'll put my sunglasses on. Here's a plaque that talks about the turkey oak. This oak has little commercial value, but is sometimes used for fuel. It is the most common oak found in high, dry pine forests. It usually grows in the open where it receives intense light from the sun and reflection from the bright sand. In order to reduce the amount of light that strikes the leaves, they are turned so that the edges are parallel with the light rays. Next, we have a plaque that talks about fire and pine forests. Although wildfires may be destructive in areas where natural fire cycles have been disturbed, controlled fires are not, are not harmful to pine and other pine wood plants. The longleaf pine forest, which covers the park, will remain as it is today if we carefully burn it every two to three years. If we do not, it will be invaded by oaks and other hardwoods and the pines will disappear.
Yeah, they do control burns every few years. It helps clear out the underbrush so that they can grow up again. You can see here where a tree fell across the hiking trail and the ranger had to cut it. The next plaque says, who rakes the leaves? After a season of making food for trees, leaves fall to the ground. Here they protect the soil from the drying sun and the eroding force of rain. Underneath, bacteria, fungi, insects, and earthworms are busy mixing the leaves into the soil, making it more fertile and capable of holding more moisture. Thus the forest maintains itself and wastes nothing. If only we could all be more like that, wasting nothing.
can hear the brook babbling along the ridge trail. And we've hit a mile one on the trailhead. You're going to have to watch your step. In some of these places, there are a lot of roots, a lot of up and down. So be careful. Wear your knee brace or your ankle brace if you have bad knees or ankles. And we've come to the end of the Ridge Trail, mile 1.1. We have several choices now. We can take a left and go to the Loblolly Loop Trail, which is 0.75 miles. We can go straight and head up to the Mule Trail, or we can take our return back on the Ravine Trail, back to the car park. And I think I will save the Loblolly Loop Trail and the Mule Trail for another day. I'll return on my journey back down the Ridge Trail. Thank you for joining me today. Visit walkingfloridapodcast.com for episode photos and more information. I'm Amy Parker. Join me next time as we discover a new landscape. Walk on.